Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Categorically Romance podcast. My name is Bree, and today I'm joined by someone like I'm fangirling a little bit here. I'm so excited she's here. Nenia, my, like I follow her on Goodreads. Thank you for being here. You have a blog, readasaurus.com. Some of y'all may recognize her from there. She's crazy, crazy brilliant. I'm so excited. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> um, tell us, let's start here. Tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> well, I have a blog. Um, I have an Instagram. I literally just joined TikTok, I think, a month ago for the first time. <laughs> and uh, I have a day job, so I work in tech also when I'm not doing everything else. Oh, and I'm an author as well. Oh, my gosh. Like... <laughs> <laughs> in tech okay how how do you because you you read a lot mm-hmm. how do you balance how are you and you blog <laughs> you blog a lot so like how work-life balance how are you balancing reading and working in tech and blogging and now you're on tiktok like how are you doing all the things uh <laughs> i i don't sleep much Probably less than I should, like maybe seven hours. But uh, usually just in the evenings, I wind down with a book. And then like when I have an appointment or if I'm going somewhere, I always have at least two books in the purse in case I finish one. So you have to have the backup book. And so, yeah, I just I like I guess if you really love something like you find ways to cram it into every like open gap in your life. And that's what I do with reading. Tell me your romance origin story. Like how did you become a romance reader? I joined romance as a genre pretty late in life. So like a lot of the stories that like some of the long time romance readers have is that their moms read romance. And so they were like 10 or 11 and they found that like copy of Sweet Savage Love or one of those bodice rippers on their mom's nightstands, right? (laughs) And my mom didn't read that kind of stuff. She's like kind of like a lit snob. Like I say that with like all the love in my heart, but she is a lit snob. Like her favorite author is (laughs) Jane Austen so like the closest I had to that was Bridget Jones she read that because it was a pride and prejudice retelling and she hid it from me which meant I had to have it and find it immediately so like of course of course yeah. <laughs> so that was the first romance adjacent novel that I read I think I was 10 10 or 11 too young to be reading that probably but I did <laughs> and then uh, I had friends who got me into it when I was in my 20s which was really nice because I was in university and I was really stressed out. I was taking finals. I was writing 20 page research papers. I didn't want to read anything that was like too high stakes. And so I felt like romance was really nice because you know how it's going to end. It's written like, you know, in a way that's really easy to consume and like digest. And so that was a really nice palate cleanser for me in college. And that's kind of how I got into romance with paranormal romances. Oh, that's where you started, paranormal? Mm-hmm, because before that, I read a lot of fantasy, so it felt like the next step logically to be like, oh, okay, so I've done fantasy now. Like, what if they kiss also? So was this, like, during, like, the paranormal boom of romance? Like, was there romance all over the place or no? So I thrifted a lot of my books because when I was in college, I didn't really have a job, so I didn't have a lot of disposable income. Mm-hmm. So um, I, th- I thrifted a lot of my books and... There wasn't a lot of romance in the secondhand stores where I was looking at that time. There, and what there was, it was usually like either historicals or paranormal. So yeah, it was people's paranormal cast-offs is what I ended up reading. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I came to romance. I didn't 
I picked up my first romance that I consider in 2017. Like, I think there were books here and there that oh, wow. I've read throughout life that were like, um, I read a lot of Susanna Kearsley. I thought I mm-hmm. consider her historical fiction, but now that I read romance, I'm like, and she's actually writing romance. Um, they're yeah. just, I don't know, <laughs> like they tend to get lumped into like the literary fiction section of the bookstore, but like sneaky romance. Yeah. <laughs> I, and like, I honestly think she would proudly say like, I'm a romance reader. So it's it, like mm-hmm. ro- romance writer. It's weird. But like, I think there's something special about coming to the genre late. And it's so weird for me, like hearing that you came to it late. Cause you, read so crazy like you read some (laughs) old school romance I would have thought you've been reading it for forever (laughs) but now it makes sense now it makes sense I got into the old school books because of Goodreads because there's such a community for it and so I was like if they're this like passionate and obsessed it must be worth looking into and uh, once I got into them I just I didn't look back they were just so crazy it was fun so making that like transition having like read fantasy been like a huge fantasy reader and Mm. then picking up paranormal in college was it like instant love did you have to like do some reading a little you know did it take some time to figure out what authors worked for you what you liked or was it like magically the first book you picked up just worked yeah that's a good question I'm trying to remember because it's been so long. So like, I I guess the one downside to getting books from thrift stores is that like you get books that are like in the thrift store for a reason or you get books. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or you get books that are like really good and they were just kind of like oversaturated. And so people were like, I'm done with this into the thrift store. It goes. So um, it did take some time to kind of parse out my likes and dislikes. But one of the things I really love about the romance genre that isn't in like thriller or fantasy, which I also love, is that, you know, you're always guaranteed a happy ending. I hated it when I got invested in a character and they would kill the character off. And I'm like, no, why would you do this? Or like, uh, if there's like a romantic kind of relationship teased, and then they never really like fulfill that. And so you're like, sad and frustrated and angry on behalf of these characters you've invested like 600 plus pages in. you're just like, well, what do I do now? So did you quickly, like, did you go super hard paranormal for a while or was it like, okay, I've read a couple of these and now I'm going to try like this historical romance? Like how did the branching out happen? Oh gosh. Yeah. So I've read um, pretty much any paranormal I could get my hands on. I remember there was the Black Dagger Brotherhood. I think that was like the gateway for a lot of people. Uh, Laura Adrian's paranormals uh the patricia briggs mercy series Mm. oh and laurel k hamilton and then i uh some of those paranormals were kind of historical and so i think that kind of like got me more interested into like the historical element and because of my mom i had also read a lot of classic literature so like portrait of a lady um dr zivago and like all of the jane austen and like the bronte sisters And so that had kind of gotten me into historical as a setting as well. And so I feel like that kind of appealed to me even more than the uh, the paranormal did once I got into it because it felt so familiar and it was kind of like a throwback to like my first love of like fantasy, historical fantasy settings and the classic literature. So when did the blogging start? Because I mean, I, okay, when I, when I came to romance, Mm -hmm. I, I was heavy into like the YouTube 
space. So I was like oh, that's so watching cool. people on, on YouTube. And a lot of them, like the few romance readers that were there, had blogged, but it seemed like blogging was like phasing out. This is like 2015, 2016, 2017. And so like then I became interested in blogging and I kept hearing like nobody blogs anymore. But then you would get like these like author blog tours and it's like, well, what's your blog link? And I'm like, well, clearly it's not dead if authors are asking for links to your blog. And like, here we are fast forward 2023 and I see blogs like yours where you are constantly updating it with reviews. <laughs> and it's like, I'm constantly reading your reviews. Oh, it's like, where do you like, how did you get started with blogging? And like, what is your, how do you feel like the world of blogging fits into everything now? Like you mentioned, you just joined, joined TikTok. I would love to hear your perspective of like how TikTok has potentially changed the world of blogging. Right. Yeah. Okay. So that's like a two-piece question. Yes. Uh, so Sorry, I tend to do those. <laughs> I love it. So the blogging, um, it took me a while to get into it. For a while, I was just kind of like looking at what other people write. I actually joined Goodreads before they were acquired by Amazon. I think I've been on it for over 10 years. So long time. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I joined because I was bored in a stats class and I would just <laughs> use the computer like for personal things before the teacher got in and I would like read other people's reviews and some of them were really funny and I'm like, oh, I want to do this, but like I'm really self-conscious and kind of shy. So I was like, <laughs> I don't know if I can do this. Uh, and so I just kind of like, you know, watched for a while and then I joined and then I just kind of used Goodreads to like post ratings for a while without any reviews. And then I started reviewing and I really loved it. I think long form blogging, like traditional text blogging is great for people who don't have a lot of self-confidence and maybe want to put their opinions out there, but they don't want to like think like, am I camera ready? Like, does my voice sound funny when I'm being yeah. recorded? And so I think for that, it can be like a really great kind of like entree into the world of blogging because you can just put your voice, like your voice out there, but it's just your voice unfiltered yeah. for TikTok. Uh, Part of the reason I was a little hesitant about joining is one, like everyone on there seemed really cool. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I feel intimidated. <laughs> and two, um, I've never really liked the sound of my voice, like recorded. So that was kind of like something I had to get around. Girl, same. And here I am. I have a podcast. <laughs> I think you have a lovely like radio voice though. Okay, so <laughs> I always hated my it makes me feel better that I'm not alone. But Everyone there was really welcoming. Like I had heard that people there could be kind of like elitist and that scared me. But like everyone was super welcoming when I joined, which made it like a pleasure. I think the book community on TikTok is really nice. And so I've started using that more. I also like how it's kind of low budget and you don't have to have a lot of production quality to make videos that do well in there. That was why I never created a YouTube because I just can't edit for beans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah you can be a total amateur on tiktok and people will forgive you for it which yeah. i love yeah do you think um do you think like okay because tiktok at the most it's like three minutes right how mm -hmm. do you feel like that is changing the world of book reviewing that's a good i think forces people to kind of create these condensed sound bites of like 
tropes usually i would say like books get condensed down into tropes so people will be like read this book it has like enemies to lovers only one bed like friends to enemies to lovers like and other things like that so it makes it faster i think in some ways to decide whether or not a book is for you but i think some of the more stylistic elements are lost because people don't usually do quotes and I, for me at least, like the writing style is at least as important as like what tropes a book has. So like if I don't know what the author's writing style is like, I will be a little more hesitant to buy the book than if I do. So I, I think it depends on how people choose their books and how they read. I think if people go based on like prose and style, like TikTok might be less helpful for them. But for people who are looking for tropes and they want to be like in and out and like just gathering their books and then being done, I think it's great. And I think that's contribute to a lot of the virality of TikTok. Yeah. With you um with you being a writer, how do you what when you put that lens on and view it through that perspective, how do you feel about it? Because there's a lot I know a lot of authors have shared like they're being, you know, their publicists, their publishers, they want you all to be on there. <laughs> Obviously, like it, it's kind of a different perspective. So what do you think about it from like being a writer? That's a difficult question. I, I think if you don't want to see what people are saying about your book, it can make it a little harder to escape from mm -hmm. it for some people because, you know, there'll be the po like the algorithm will show you things based on hashtags you use. So I think I've seen authors saying that they get hashtags of negative reviews for their books showing up in their feed because of the hashtags being used. So I think that can be hard. Um, Personally, it doesn't really bother me that much just because I'm my own worst critic. So like I haven't met anyone who can like negatively review me the way I negatively like review myself in my head. <laughs> so that helps. Um, I like it. though. honestly, I think people get really excited. It's fun to see people get like really excited when they're talking about what they love. And so yeah. as an author for me, like, I, I think that's really exciting. I love seeing it. I love seeing younger people getting like really in love with reading. It reminds me of like why I started to love reading in the first place. And so for me, I think it's really great. Yeah. Isn't that, that is really cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I feel like I have this conversation with my kids a lot. They're like, you know, my, my youngest, he's only seven. He's like, it's not oh. cool to be a nerd. And I'm like, uh, it really is. It totally is. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, it's, it's in now. I'm like, nerds maybe, will rule the world. Right. I'm like, maybe like 20 years ago, it probably, it was, it was not, but now it's pretty cool to identify as a nerd. So I love that. <laughs> um, so like your current, I like to ask like your current romance era, what is it? I am currently in a historical romance era right now. I've just been binging historical romance after historical romance. Why do you think that is? Uh, it's, it's comforting. I think it's fun. Mm -hmm. I love learning about history. I'm a history nerd. So like I'm reading a Beverly Jenkins book right now. It's Topaz. And I love what she does with Black history and how she integrates it into her books. And so that's really fun to kind of learn about that perspective in history from her. Are you a mood reader or no? I'm a big mood reader. So like once I get into something, like it will be only that thing for like several weeks and then I'll shift and it'll be another thing. <laughs> okay. So like the current historical romance era, like this is your mood right now. Yeah. It's 
bad for the people who follow me sometimes because I'll get people who follow me when I'm reading like literary fiction or nonfiction and then I'll start reading like bodice rippers and they'll be like, what is this? And I'm like, (laughs) did you look at my shelves before you followed me? Like I will literally read anything. (laughs) You knew what you were getting into when you followed me. Yeah. So, I mean, how, how do you find what to pick up next? Like, how are you finding recommendations? My friends, um, Amazon recommendations, like the people who like this also read this, mm-hmm. Goodreads. I also go to thrift stores a lot. And so I will like buy covers that make me laugh. So like if I see like a really stupid, like cheesy Fabio cover, I will buy it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, pretty covers I will buy. So basically anything that looks interesting or that kind of like intrigues me, I'll just pick it up and read it and see. So what historical, like we so saw where you, you're reading Beverly Jenkins right now, like what else mm-hmm. have you been reading in this historical era that we're in? That's a good question. Um, I have been reading uh, Lisa Kleypas's, uh Then Came You. Controversial opinion, but I actually like Alex Rayford more than I like Derek Craven. Please okay. don't egg me. <laughs> Hold the exit bay, people. Hold the exit bay. <laughs> um, I, I've been reading a lot of old school Harlequin Presents. So like Craven, Charlotte Lamb, Jacqueline Gilbert, and Mather. And I also have some Jane Feathers on the to-read pile as well. So what advice do you have? Because I think there are a lot of us that are like, that we want to give the old school romance a try, but there's the one hand of like, oh gosh, what am I getting myself into? There's the like datedness of just like, oh, this is old, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, there's so much distance between now and when it came out. Like, am I going to enjoy this? I feel like a lot of what I see, like if people are reading old school historical romance, it's usually like a book club and it's like a once a month thing. And then the rest of the month they're reading their contemporaries and romantic suspense and stuff. Like it's a special event, but you're someone that, like you said, (laughs) you can go to the thrift store and find like the craziest old school cover and you're like, okay, in the basket it goes and you're going to read it. So Mm -hmm. what advice do you have to people that are like wanting to give some of the oldies a try? Yeah. So I would say like pay attention to the content warnings and trigger warnings, especially like with sensitive issues like uh, non-con or like racist portrayals, because a lot of the books do have that and it can be very uncomfortable to read. I would say if that is like especially off-putting to you, maybe avoid anything published in the 70s or early 80s because it was like the wild, wild west. (laughs) Um, I would say like the 90s are probably like a good place to start if you want to like dip your toe in vintage and not be like, you know, what's this? Yeah. (laughs) Because I feel like in the 90s, like people still wanted to write those kind of like epic stories, but they were starting to tone them down and try to be more sensitive to how they were portraying people of other ethnic and cultural backgrounds. And they were trying to tone down a lot of the the stuff that bodice rippers were famous for, right? Like the uh, very aggressive sexual overtures that could be happen in like a lot of those older books, they were starting to kind of phase that out. And so I think like early 90s is probably a good place to start and see. And then maybe like if you're curious about some of the summaries of older books, look at the spoiler reviews with trigger warnings and see if you you can like protect yourself before going in. Where did you like, do you remember picking up your first category romance and was it a presents? Yes. So 
I don't remember like what the first one I read was. It was probably something I had thrifted and I don't think I liked it because I can't remember what it was and I didn't keep it. Yeah. But the first one I read that I loved, I think it was like a, a Charlotte Lamb. I think it was Savage Surrender, which is it's just such a great book because I love Charlotte Lamb's heroines. She gives them a lot more agency than some of the other Presents authors did at that time. And she meets the hero because his mom almost runs her over in her car, <laughs> which I thought was great. And then he's like a Greek billionaire and she just like runs circles around him because he's like, I'm great. And she's like, I really don't think so. And he's like, what? <laughs> and he just does not know how to deal with her. And I love that. They've, you know, they've announced the new line that's coming out called mm. Afterglow that comes out in January, I think, hopefully, hopefully January 2024. I'm so excited. I am too. Like, do you think with this line rolling out, because I feel like category still has a stigma, even in the romance genre. Do mm. you feel like it may encourage people to read what we already have or no? In the Harlequin publishing yeah. specifically? Yeah. yeah. So like, from what I understand, I think I actually listened to your podcast episode on it when you were talking with one of the people behind the project. It was great. Thank you. Um, I like the idea of trying to like appeal to people who want spicy books. Like I know that's been like a criticism of Harlequin is that like they have a lot of fade to black scenes when it comes to like sexual content in their books. I, I understand that like with Harlequin, there's often a formula, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think, you know, with any publication, there's like authors who do it really well and maybe there's authors who do it less well. And so like the beauty of like Harlequin is that there's so many and they're so short that like once you find an author you really like, it's easy to go to their backlist and just devour all of their books. Unfortunately, it's like really fast. So then like when they're gone, they're gone. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I hope it gets more people interested in Harlequin. I know I had a bias against it for a while and I was very happily proven wrong. I hope other people are too. Uh, do you have an author? Do you, do you feel like you have authors now that like are, because like, you read a lot of the, like you said, you read a lot of the old ones, but are there any contemporary authors now, Harlequin wise, that are like automatic? I, I've seen you read some Maisie Yates, girl. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I just found out, I think she her pen name is like also Millie Adams. And I was yes. so excited because I'm working my way through some of the Millie Adams. And I'm like, oh my God, she has a, like another pen name that I can like <laughs> dive into. So, so happy. Um, I love Megan Crane slash Caitlin Cruz. You did a podcast with her and I was like obsessed because I'm like, my hero is being interviewed. I love her books. I, I love her historical romance also because I feel like she does kind of like do like an homage to old school old school Viking romances uh her uh I think it's called like captive of the Viking or something like that yeah, it really yeah. reminded me a lot of this Viking bodice ripper by Nadine Crenshaw called Eden's Embrace and so I was like this is like reading my favorite all over again but with new packaging and different people <laughs> so is like Viking historical romance like a, a buzzword a catnip for you like is that if you had to pick a favorite thing in historicals is that it is that it one of I have so okay. many favorites I'm like very fickle okay. <laughs> I love medieval I wish more people were writing medieval romances now because that's like one of my go-to genres because it's what like do you love about them? yeah um, well, it's it's a lot like fantasy I feel like they have a lot of action and adventure they have like the battles the castles, like the court intrigue. I love all of that. 
Well, you also, I have to ask you this. You really love some gothic romance. and I do. I am a gothic romance hoarder, okay? <laughs> I don't oh. even know if most of them are, you know, I, I've read some of them and some of them like, they, at a, after some point, I'm like, they do tend to read the same. So I have to like kind of put some space in between how often I read them. But I still love them so much. I don't know what it is. I think it's, I read Rebecca in eighth grade for required reading and I think it started there, but like, tell me your love of it and, and yeah, all the things. Oh my gosh, you have a collection. I'm like so jealous. I want to see. <laughs> Girl, when, look, when COVID kicked off, I was on eBay, like everybody else, just buying boxes of books. And I, I was just getting that. lucky spending, I'd be like $20 and I'd get like 30 Phyllis Whitney's or something. <laughs> it was oh, I love Phyllis Whitney. <laughs> yeah. So for me, the appeal of gothic romances is like the setting. I'm a sucker for like good atmosphere. So like that's part of the reason I love medieval. I think gothic has the same thing going for it. Like when you pick up a gothic romance, you know what you're getting. There's going to be a creepy house. Someone's going to be like, don't touch that or don't go in there or don't pick up that key. And you know, the heroine's going to do it. It's just like a matter of when, right? So you're just like waiting for her to do the thing that she was told not to do. And the love interest is always like, did he like kill his former wife or like governess or whatever? Probably not, but like, you don't know. So you're going to read it and find out. <laughs> I love that. It's just campy and it's fun. The whole time, the whole like thing is, did he do it or did he not? But he's mm -hmm. pretty hot and I'm falling for it. <laughs> yeah. And Stuart does that too. And I am like coming back to her books like no other. So <laughs> do you feel like you read a lot of new releases or no? I try to because one of the downsides of like retro romance is that diversity really was not represented well back then especially I have like a couple authors of color I found who did publish before 1980 or 1990 but it wasn't common and so like I try to read contemporary just because you know I want to read other stories I want to like see like different types of people falling in love but I, I do think my first love is vintage and retro oh my gosh I love that <laughs> <laughs> I mean tell me some of your faves like off the top of your head if, if if someone right now is like okay I'm gonna get on Kindle Nenia what do I download what is it for like contemporary or for your yeah the retro the gothic whichever Ooh, okay so Anne Stewart's historical romances are all like chef's kiss good she has that is he the villain formula down pat um, I think Lord of Danger is probably my favorite of hers because he's basically, I don't know if you watched the Aladdin TV show series when you were a kid, but he is basically like Mosinrath, like <laughs> in medieval times. So if that appeals to you, like get on that. Uh, Phyllis A. Whitney, I love her. I think she's great. I think uh, she traveled a lot. I read her like little mini bio in the back of the Kindle books that she's published. And I think she was like raised in Japan. So yeah. she like had lived there. So when she wrote the Moonflower, I think it's called her like gothic set in Japan. A lot of that was taken from like her experiences growing up there, which I loved. And um, Jennifer Blake, I like also. She's a bodice ripper author. Um, she gives her heroines a lot of agency. A lot of her books are kind of set in the South. So like kind of Louisiana 
area and uh she seems to know the region really well and her books always have like gorgeous details of clothes and architecture and food so i would recommend her and a lot of her books are on kindle unlimited i believe so writing wise like what are you what do you enjoy writing like are you working on anything now yeah i'm currently serializing two books on Kindle Vela, which I will then publish on Kindle Unlimited Kindle when they're done. One of them is a dark fairy tale romance that's kind of a retelling of Tamlin and the Ballad of Reynardine. And then the other one is book five in a series that I started when I was a teenager uh, called uh, the Horrorscape series. Oh my, so is it, it's horror? Yeah, it's like horror, erotic horror, sort of with like romantic elements. I'm a little hesitant to call it like a romance because the heroes are so horrible. But yeah, <laughs> that's the world we live in. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, do you re- are do you read dark romance or no? I do. I have to be in the mood for it though because I feel like they have a very oppressive sort of atmosphere. And it can be hard to read that if you're not in the right mindset for it. Yeah. yeah. But when I am, I love it. So at what point did you, did the writing bug hit you or was it always there? Did you always want to be a writer? I've been writing since I was a child. Like oh. I, I would rewrite endings to books I didn't like as a kid. That's how it starts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So there was like this one babysitter's book, I think, where like it ended really badly and I was angry. And so like I wrote this like revenge ending where like (laughs) the person I didn't like got punished by every character in the book. (laughs) Revenge plot to a BSC book. I love it. (laughs) It's so embarrassing, but I did do that. No, I love it. I see. I didn't grow up reading babysitters club i was a goosebumps kid and i Mm -hmm. just felt like i can't stray too far from this i did try a couple of boxcar children but like now i i've been reading the babysitters club mysteries oh yes i love them i'm like what was i thinking i would have loved these as a kid they're so good the sweet valley twins super chillers were also quite good oh i gotta look for those yeah i don't know Mm -hmm. i was like such a horror kid that i'm like you would have enjoyed these horror and mysteries yeah so you've always you've always been writing like you know do you feel like now is like the you know the first time in a while you've like had the time or the desire to like really sit down and take it seriously like you know or have you have you been writing this entire time yeah I've been writing on and off my whole life Um, I used to publish my stuff for free, like I would serialize it. And then my parents were like, you know, you could probably just self publish this and get money. And I'm like, really, people would pay money for what I write? (laughs) Seems sus, but okay. (laughs) Uh, And people did. So I'm still shocked. (laughs) Feels like I'm running a scam. Like, (laughs) no. No. Um, So like, contemporary wise like you're in the mood for something contemporary like who are what who or what are you picking up contemporaries uh well I love Harlequin now I love to read um I mentioned Caitlin Cruz I like her stuff a lot because it has like kind of gothic throwbacks in it um I like a lot of the young adult fantasy novels that have been coming out like Adeline Grace's Belladonna I think is really good love the cruel prince 
Um, I just read Fourth Wing, actually, and everyone who follows me was like, you're going to hate it because you hate everything that's popular. And I'm like, thanks, guys. <laughs> um, but I loved it. I thought it was really well done for what it was. So that was nice. I've pre-ordered book two already. Oh, my gosh. Don't, I love it when like people feel like you're not going to like this because they've read enough of your reviews. And right. you're like, surprise, guys. I actually really liked it. Yeah, I'm not a hater. I have one book <laughs> I, that's popular that I didn't hate. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. I have to ask because you like, like, again, like I said, like I get on Goodreads most of the time just to see if there's an update from you. Oh, you that's will, so sweet. You'll be reading like a hundred, you'll have like a hundred current reads at a time. And I'm like, what, what is her mindset behind this? <laughs> I have trouble sticking to just one. I don't know what it is, but like I, I get itchy if I don't have like more than one book. <laughs> reading you you're currently reading right now is 137 okay that number is a lie like some of those are books that I've lost or like put down and couldn't find again or didn't love it it was like too polite to like give it a one yet (laughs) I love it because to me it's like that reminder of like you don't have to take this too seriously that's what I get from following you (laughs) Like, oh my goodness, like reading challenge is like 5,000 and I'm not going to do that. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. At the beginning of every year, you will post your Goodreads challenge and it's like 5,000 and people are like, what? And you're like, guys, yeah. clearly I'm not going to read 5,000 books. <laughs> it's amazing how many people think it's true though. Like <laughs> I love that for them that they think I can do that. Recommendations. What did you bring for us? Oh, this was hard. Um, I took notes. Okay, so I am going to recommend Fourth Wing because I think like if you love romantic fantasy and you want to feel like the warm, fuzzy vibes of like the 2010s, like kind of YA boom, it's like reading The Hunger Games for the first time all over again. That was kind of like how I felt while reading it. And so I think if that appeals to you, you will love The Fourth Wing. Um, I also have When Angels Fall by Megan McKinney. So McKinney is one of my auto-buy authors. Sadly, I don't think she's publishing any more, but she has a pretty good backlist. About half of them have been re-released in ebook and half of them have not, but they're still semi-affordable. And uh, When Angels Fall is an ebook and it's just great. It's this kind of childhood friends slash lovers to like enemies. Uh, the hero is named Ivan. The heroine is named Lissa. And he's been like obsessing over her for like 10 years And so, like, when they meet again, she's like, oh, no, because, like, when they left, she had wronged him. And so, like, it's this intense kind of, like, Wuthering Heights-esque story of, like, obsession and passion and ruin. But it has an HEA on, like, Wuthering Heights. Spoiler. So so if you love the vibes of Wuthering Heights but hated the ending, I think this would really appeal. I love that. Okay. And then I have The Duke's Wager by Edith Layton. The way this starts out cracks me up. So the heroine accidentally goes to the opera on the day when all of the courtesans are going to the opera. She doesn't know that because she's new in town. And so... (laughs) 
<laughs> she creates dying. she creates quite the stir. Um, it's it's considered like a traditional style of Regency, so it doesn't have any open door sex scenes. But I wouldn't really call it a clean romance either, because she's kind of the focus of this bet between two really debauched and depraved men. One is a duke and one is a marquis. The duke tries to kidnap her to like make her his <laughs> mistress, and she's like, "I don't want that." And so he's like, "Well, I'll make you a bet then, like if you can't find an honorable." position like you have to be my mistress and then the marquis is like i don't like the duke so i'm gonna try to steal like his girl out from under his nose (laughs) before they can finish the bet and so it becomes like this who is she gonna end up with and what are these two like men capable of sort of story and i really like that and then i have uh the duke of shadows by meredith duran it's one of my favorites um it was her debut book which makes me so jealous because it's one of the most polished and amazing and haunting historical romances i've ever read it's about um this man named julian who's of indian descent and this artist named emmeline or emmeline i don't know how you pronounce it (laughs) But they meet in India and then just before the rebellion of 1857. And so like you see like this war torn country and it's basically like a total like jab in the eye of colonialism and like seeing these two characters bond against like this backdrop of pain and like kind of finding solace in each other and like getting revenge over this like hateful man together is really satisfying to see. I just and pulled then, up the cover. I just pulled it up and I'm like, oh man, I'm so intrigued. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's such a good cover. I actually own it in paperback because I'm like, I need this in my <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then I have The Misted Cliffs by Catherine Asaro. This is a fantasy romance. So I know a lot of people want fantasy romance now. And I would describe this as like a book that's written by like a 16 year old girl who likes Arwen and is writing Arwen and My Little Pony fan fiction like in her bedroom, but like oh in the most gosh. highest complimentary way. So like the hero is named Dark Cobalt and her name is Melody. Her mother's name is Chime. His mother's name is Dancer. Like, it's so ridiculous, but it's really well done. Like, he forces her to marry him, basically, because otherwise he'll, like, conquer her country. And so it's like a marriage of convenience between, like, this really villainous guy who's got an even more villainous grandfather. It kind of has, like, Kylo Ren vibes almost, but, like, fantasy. Mm -hmm. So I would recommend this for people who love villain romances, but maybe are a little afraid of some of like the scarier villain books out there because it's actually a pretty gentle read like he's kind of like a cinnamon roll on the inside, even though he loves conquering. Oh, why do you why do you um like I people are wanting fantasy romance like where do what what is going on that we want fantasy romance so much? Uh, that's a tough question to answer because like you know trends are so unpredictable and cyclical right like something will go out of fashion and then it'll come back i do think that maybe the popularity of fourth wing has contributed to that because now people are like done and they want more but i think there's already kind of been like a move into that because of like you know people want cozy witch stories and so i feel like cozy witch stories are kind of like the gateway drug into more like hardcore fantasy romances because once you get that first taste of magic you're like i want more do you think paranormal is ever going to like fully come back i think so i think there was already kind of like a return to vampires pretty briefly like last year so i think like you know it just depends on what popular books end up trending and what does well and then i think 
more publishers are going to pick that up and more people are going to want to write it. And then we'll probably have like another boom. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like what we have gotten has been more of like the little bit of paranormal and I'm speaking traditional publishing here guys but like (laughs) it has been more like a cozy or romantic comedy like I don't know if we'll go the dark route again which would be fun but I feel like we're maybe like treading the waters to see how it does yeah I think if there is like a dark paranormal romance trend it would probably be with like indie indie writers and indie publishers that seems to be like where a lot of like the dark romances are coming from yeah yeah so are, and you I mean I if you have any other recommendations I want to hear them but I just was like listening to the and I'm like does she read mostly are you mostly an e-reader or do you mostly do physical books or audio I would say it's about half and half so okay. I have like a whole bunch of paperbacks like everywhere every room has books in our house <laughs> in piles uh, but I also have a Kindle app that I use pretty frequently too and so I just switch off okay okay <laughs> yeah, I have one more recommendation. Um, I'm okay. cheating. It's the entire Hidden Legacy series by Alona Andrews. Oh have to read my all gosh. of them. Yes, they're I, so I, good. I think I have the first three, and I I have not read. I tend to want <gasps> to have all of the series before I can before I start because I just know, especially if it's like a series that's done. Because I'm like, if I love them, I want to mm-hmm. be able to just read them. So yeah, I, I love that that's one of your recommendations. Okay, why should we read the series? I'm honestly surprised it isn't a TV show already because I feel like it's like the perfect blend of like cinematic, but also like scalable. Like every book has like a mini plot that's resolved within that book, but like each book builds off of the previous, which is exactly what I want in a series that kind of follows the main couple for multiple books because you want to see them like grow and develop and interact and change but you also want each book to kind of resolve and I love the whole like family dynamic of uh, Nevada's the Baylor's family and I love that the second trilogy is her younger sister and her romance and they've managed to make both of the women characters very different which I like because they're both powerful in their different ways but they also have very real vulnerabilities that they also have to overcome that makes them feel quite relatable what reading wise is next for you? I have a little pile next to me, actually. So um, <laughs> one I'm going to read is called uh, Madame's Deception. It's about this like blue stocking who accidentally inherits a whorehouse. <laughs> As so, you do. <laughs> she doesn't know what to do with that. And I don't know what she's going to do with that. But I want to find out. I also have a gothic romance called Dark Surrender by Laurel Collins, which looks really good. It's set in Maine and it's between two brothers who have like a secret old feud between them and she's there. So that sounds exciting. And then I found a book set in Spain, which I had never seen as a location for a historical romance. It's called The Eagle and the Dove by Jane Feather. So I'm going to be reading that soon, too. Well, I will be, um, you know, keeping up with (laughs) your reviews of those. (laughs) (laughs) I cannot wait. Um, Tell everybody where they can keep up with you online, like plug all your stuff. Okay. Yeah. So on TikTok and Reddit, I'm Nenia Campbell. On threads and Instagram, I'm always be booked and that's B with two E's like Bumblebee. And then um, on Goodreads, I'm just a stone's throw away. You can just type in Nenia Campbell and I'll pop up because I'm an author. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with me today and letting me pick your brain. This was just everything. This was so fun. It was so fun, too. Thank you so much for having me. 